G'day, this is Jess and George from Carbon. Hi. This episode is a milestone for us at the Accounting Letters Podcast. It's 50 episodes. So we decided to do something a little bit different and flip the tables on our host and Carbon CEO, Stuart McLeod. And we had a really good time, but unfortunately it was recorded just before some layoffs at Carbon. And we just wanted to flag that up top since this episode's pretty light in tone and it might feel a little jarring if you've read news about it. We're going to put a link to Stuart's letter that he sent to all Carbon employees in the show notes, including a list full of excellent employees who are now looking for a job. We hope you enjoy listening to a couple of Aussies and a Kiwi, that's me, chat about old tech, culture and uh, hydrofoils for some unknown reason. See you after the intro music. Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. George and Jess, welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the 50th episode, no less. Oh, lovely to be here, coming to you from what appears to be a broom closet in sunny downtown Nelson, New Zealand. It's a lovely looking broom closet. Yeah, thank you. Jess, so good to see you. Welcome. You too, Stu. Thanks so much. I'm pumped for this. This is going to be good. What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> That's a good question. I ask myself that every single day. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully we're here to have a real nice chat with you. Stu, deep dive. I would love that, Jess. That sounds great. Now, let's start at the start. Mm. And ladies before gentlemen, Jess, when did you join Carbon and what, what is your role today? And no pressure, are you, are you still having fun? <laughs> I'll leave that part of the question until later. <laughs> no, I've been here, oh, I'm nearing on two years actually. Oh, wow. I was one of those lucky people that sort of changed jobs in the midst of the pandemic. So it was 2020, yes. sorry, 2020 when I joined Carbon and I'm the content marketing specialist so that means anything in Carbon Magazine really is there because I wrote it or edited it or put it there in some way. That's a plug right there, Carbon Magazine. That's at uh, carbonhq.com forward slash resources. There you so. go, slash resources. <laughs> that, that is fair to say that the Carbon Magazine is fucking great because of you. And for Thanks that, we are eternally thankful and grateful. I helped as well. I just want to... Oh, did you? Make George sure. also helps. <laughs> yeah, George is... Uh, <laughs> no one would be able to actually read Carbon Magazine if it wasn't for George. Well, I wrote one. I have written an article. Somebody's got to get it up there. Yeah, but, you know, we see it because of you. Yeah. George is, a, is definitely a Carbon veteran. Do you recall the date that you joined Carbon, George? Oh, well, let's see. No, I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> that's how long ago it was. <laughs> My first lot of shares have finished vesting, so I guess that puts me at over four or five years. I think that's probably about right. I'm coming to you live from sunny Nelson, beautiful downtown Bridge Street, in what I was just thinking about this this morning, might be Carbon's longest continually inhabited office. Oh, that could be true. I think the Nelson office... It was before, it was pre-Sydney, it was well and truly pre-Sydney. Pre the current Sydney. Yes. Post the um, Ultimo office. Yeah. And then I, I've moved around and we've opened and closed offices all over America. Mm. Melbourne, we, we haven't, we've never had really enough people to sort of, and, and mm. Melbourne, nobody wants to get on the Eastern for an hour and a half. Mm. <laughs> and and yeah, then up... exactly um, right. <laughs> Then, yeah. uh, then up Punt Road that nobody calls Punt Road anymore. And then oh, what do they call it? 
Oh, George, what, are the, what, 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 what rhymes with punt that, that oh, makes you sit on that My traffic. brother used to live yeah. on the road right down my river. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but I feel like if we're going to be talking about offices, and particularly the Nelson office, I think is a really good opportunity to explain the origins of the Nelson office, George. I think Nelson and Australia content is great international podcasting yeah. material. This right up <laughs> talking about the weather in LA. Yeah, yeah, and the movie that just came out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys listen to Conan? I never liked Conan O'Brien's uh, set that, or uh, Tonight Show on telly, but um, a great admirer of his, uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and Gert Gawley, who's a well-known podcast uh, producer, Matt Gawley, and he is constantly schooling Conan on evergreen content. Mm. Right. And uh, would uh, be very disappointed in us if we talked about, say, politics of the day or something like that. Oh, right. Okay. Well, but geographical content is okay because we do, like, my mum lives in Australia, so we've got at least three listeners. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I actually did want to ask, Jess, now you're in Ringwood, aren't you? I'm actually, as of Saturday, in Warrenwood. In Warrenwood. Okay. So you yeah. were, you were so in Ringwood. Up the road. Yep. I spent nearly every Sunday of my early childhood driving in a um, – well, I didn't drive because I was uh, – that would be illegal. First in a purple Valiant Charger. Yeah. And then I reckon in a Toyota Corolla station wagon from Mount Waverley to Ringwood to visit my dad's grandparents. Mm. And Nana made the best scones on earth – Scones or biscuits, if uh, uh, I'm translating. Don't do that. But Australian grandma-made scones are the most beautiful, light, fluffy things in world history with jam and cream, and they live just near the cricket ground in Ringwood, which you would probably know. Cricket ground in Ringwood? Where's the cricket ground in Ringwood? (laughs) No, I don't. See, okay, see, where is that in relation to Eastland? That's my... my... Oh, okay, no, that's all right. But it's been a minute since you've been to Ringwood, though. Uh. A long minute. Yeah. It's a bit different now. At least 15 years, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's very different now. <laughs> yeah, it is packed. It's proper packed there. Like apartments, units, townhouses, all of that. Um, we've just moved out of a uh, an attached townhouse out there. And it's it's very like concrete jungly for the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Yes, I bet. I bet. Yeah. I bet. But no, it's it so pretty- convenient. It was pretty open and uh, very suburban, very mm. – I mean, it was literally the outskirts of Melbourne yeah. uh, 30-odd years ago. So there you go. I'm sure, Or even more, 35 years ago. Fuck, I'm showing my age. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> there you go. I thought I would try and, yeah, you know. Go. Can we circle back to Delilah for a minute, please? Yes, of course. Hey, this dog of yours, did that make it onto the carbon pet page? I don't know if Delilah's on the pet page. Delilah is our second Bernese Mountain Dog. Mm. The first Bernese Mountain Dog, Darius, was a well-known zero at first in in Hawthorne and uh, then Carbon Dog. Uh, The reason that uh, the zero office in Hawthorne exists is because it was a 15-minute walk from my place (laughs) and Darius would often walk with me in the morning to the zero office and sit under my desk very scared. He's 110 pounds of wuss. Yeah, yeah. Every, <laughs> everything that moves scared Darius. <laughs> oh, Darius. I can confirm Delilah's not on the Carbon Pets page, All right. which is well, a great we, shame. We should rectify that. We can rectify yeah. that. 
We also have a cat called Walter, who I call the death animal. I'm quite allergic to cats, mm. and you can see how democracy works in my house. <laughs> mm. I lose. You're not tempted <laughs> to get one of those cats with no hair, like Jordan's oh, one? Oh, fuck. I, I think I just have to. <laughs> They're silly. Go on. No, so tell us what you really feel. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I appreciate why people might do it, but uh, it's not for me. Just because of the hairlessness? Well, just because, I mean, I don't like cats to start with. Right. Even good-looking cats, uh, stupid-looking cats even, <laughs> just doesn't make sense. <laughs> just this is going to tank the ratings. Unbelievable. <laughs> cats <laughs> We've lost both, cut, both cut, listeners. Cut. Yeah. Yeah, so as you know, I've just come out of isolation for a horrible sickness, which mm. has left me with a very crappy brain, which is incapable of doing anything. But uh, one of the things that it did give me was uh, time to write down some questions in yep. no particular order. Yep. Um, 20 COVID questions. Should we get into it? When you say a hard one, do you want to do like a hard, serious one or a hard, not serious <laughs> one? Let's go hard, serious. Let's just throw them in the deep end. Okay, start off. Okay. What is the hardest part? Okay, we're going to start with a, we're going to start with a puff piece. We're going to start with a carbon-related question. What's the hardest part of running carbon to get right? And I want to preface this by saying, obviously, like you're not the only person who runs carbon. It's a team effort. But like from where, <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> from where you're sitting, what's the thing that's like yeah. the biggest lift? Uh, alignment. Mm. I just think that the hardest transition, and, and this is related, I'm not obfuscating the question, the hardest transition to make, I think, as we grow, mm. or as any company grows, is sort of like the constant abstraction of your meaning <laughs> do you know what i mean like with 10 people we can sit down in a room hopefully yes. either virtual or physical and i can talk about you know where we're going and what we need to be able to do in the next sort of you know one week one month one year hmm. and that generally speaking is what people hear because of the intimacy of that room and that those people would get to know me and get to know each other, and we understand more that the way that people that those people view the world through their own lens, you can tailor your uh, the meaning by which you're trying to relay, right? Mm. But when there's two hundred people, I don't understand, you know, people's worldview. I can't relay what I'm trying to articulate in so many ways that everybody comes away with the same message, right? Mm. So, you know, I can say one thing, but 200 people are going to take that 200 different ways, hopefully a little bit similarly, but not always, right? And so what I find the hardest is to keep 200 or 20, 200, 2,000, hopefully not 20,000, I never want that many people, oh. uh, people aligned in the direction that we want to take carbon and focus on the things that we need to get done and make sure that we're doing the right things at the right time in the right order. That's the hardest yeah. thing. I feel like it's uh, it's further exacerbated, right? Like when there are 10 or 15 of you, uh, which is a, in some ways a great time. Oh, isn't to, it? Yep. <laughs> well, kind of everybody's doing a bit of everything, right? Like the yep. lines between people who create content and people who write code and people who deal with clients, all those things are a lot blurrier and there's a lot more bleed over. It's a lot easier for someone to have like a holistic idea of what the hell's going on, right? Correct. Which um, like is something I struggle with now, like having yeah. been here for a while. Yeah. Um, when I started, it was very easy to kind of have visibility across all the things that were happening. And now stuff just turns up kind of whole cloth. 
initiatives have been run and it's neat obviously like we can do so much stuff yeah. it just turns up and you're like yeah. oh, what the hell is this <laughs> yeah like, how did i not know about this thing yeah. yeah, but I, I experienced the same thing, George. It's not just you, <laughs> right? Like, I'm sure it's not. Well, I mean, it's exacerbated because I'm not really paying attention a lot of the time. Oh, no, but even, you know, like that comes back to alignment, right? Like mm. somebody might have a great idea and execute really well, but mm. if it's not leading up to what the company is trying to achieve or mm. any organisation for that matter, right? Like mm. it doesn't have to be a so-called for-profit, although we're pretty much not-for-profit mostly. It is difficult to keep it takes longer it it takes more energy and more effort mm. to keep more people aligned and i reckon somebody a lot smarter than me would have like a it's not linear right no. the energy required to keep 200 people aligned is greater than 10 times the energy that it took 20 people to stay aligned if you get what i mean oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean every layer of kind of management adds another layer of noise right to yep. the signal and we, we try and we stay yeah. pretty flat, but but it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> if we're talking about how to keep everyone aligned, mm. how do you keep everyone happy, Stu? Huh. You can't. <laughs> you can't. I can't even keep myself <laughs> happy. <laughs> well, you guys aren't paid therapists, but uh, you can speak to my therapist about happiness. Um, I don't think it's my job to keep everybody happy. Mm. Right? Like that's kind of the, the you know, do you like or respect your leadership? And, I, and I'll take respect over like or every day of the week. I would prefer people are happy and I want to create a work environment. We want to create a work environment where people are happy and that they enjoy their work and they get meaning from their work. But if you're not, please, your mental health, your physical health, your your own life is your own life, right? Mm. Everybody, not just carbon people, but everybody should be seeking work where they uh, gain purpose and meaning because that typically contributes to your happiness and your mental health. Yeah, taking responsibility of your own. Yeah. Of your own happiness. We should all be so lucky as to be able to seek work that we find meaningful and gratifying. True. Well, True. I mean, let's let's get into that. I, I still find meaning and purpose in what we do, right? And mm. and that's mm. genuine. I'm not bullshitting. I'm not making that up. I don't. If I didn't, I wouldn't want to do it, mm. right? And and I've actually found, and again, this is not bullshit, I've actually found more meaning and more purpose as we've grown and our reach expands. Oh, that's interesting. The effect that Carbon has on our firms, our, our clients, is true and is important because without us, their journey is not as good, right? They probably still be, there's probably still accountants, they're probably still doing great things in the world, but they're not enjoying it as much or they're not as efficient or, or as effective. Their contribution isn't as great. Their, their morale in the office or virtual environment is not as significant or is not as impressive as it otherwise might be. And I still, I still get joy and meaning out of that. And this podcast has opened my eyes a lot because if nearly, nearly, not quite, nearly every partner of a firm that I speak to just exudes joy when they talk about the successful journeys that they've been on with their clients. And I love that. I really do. And I think yeah. we have a, an outsized role to play in creating those journeys. And I think that that has meaning and that has purpose. That's what I get out of bed for, and everybody else needs their own purpose and their own meaning. But that's what I do. 
That's what I get from it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's alignment again, right? Understanding the problem that we're actually here to solve and mm. and the role the we play. In some yeah. Way. yeah, exactly that. Yeah, it's so easy to get stuck. It is. I mean, Jess and I are both in in we both work in marketing. Yeah, uh, in different parts of the thing. Jess mm. creates content. I write code for the most part. Well, I go to meetings for the most part. It's very easy to lose sight. Well, at least for me, probably, I mean, Jess, you could speak to your experience. It's very easy for me to lose sight of what we're actually doing because, I mean, I, Carbon is, like like you say, like Carbon is a, um, it's a good product and it does meaningful stuff. Like it, it does actually help people. Mm. But like at the end of the day, it's a pro- we make a product and we sell yep. it. Yep. And I I don't even make the product. I just make the thing that helps mm-hmm. sell the product. Yep. So, you, <laughs> you know, like it's very easy for me to lose sight of what my contribution is to the actual thing. Um, yeah, completely. to the big picture. Completely. Yeah, and I guess that's an alignment issue, right? Like making sure that people like me know why they're doing the stuff they're doing besides getting paid for it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think with Carbon Magazine, it's an extension like our values and, and mission and what we're doing over at Carbon Magazine is just it's an extension of what we're doing at Carbon Carbon. It's all to do with the global accounting firms, accounting firms right across the world, accounting leaders and Whereas carbon, you know, makes their the way they do their work easier, more fulfilling, and and all the things that you spoke about, Stu. And Carbon Magazine really is just like a support for that. It's there to educate, inspire, motivate, and help. You know, firms that don't use carbon as well. You don't you don't have to be a carbon customer to come to Carbon Magazine and get value. So that's always you know I wouldn't be able to do or to produce half decent content if that wasn't at the forefront of my mind like all day every day for articles that i do write and articles that i don't it's everything that passes through to the publication like the publication process always has to tick those boxes always and the work that you do for carbon magazine and and the work that you do for the i mean george was the only website person for a long time and you know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if this helps or hinders but in my mind, there is, and I learned this from the Sharky brothers uh, who built Autopilot, oh. and they, they were Aussies in San Francisco. I think they're back home now. And he said to me, and, and I've embraced it ever since, is it is our responsibility to put carbon in the hands of as many people as we can possibly can so that their life is furthered, that they gain the joy and the momentum and the and the morale and the, all the benefits, the peace of mind all the benefits that other firms are getting and each and every one of us plays a role in that if nothing else. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. I feel like um, now's a, a good chance while we're sort of talking, gone deep a little bit into carbon, let's pivot ever so slightly and yeah. have a chat about culture. Yeah, so let's stop talk talking about, about the product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're growing and everyone knows that we're, we're making waves, we're doing our thing. So yeah. in that, how do we preserve our culture? Um, and and our personal relationships as we do grow and keep going along our trajectory? Well, it's fucking hard, isn't it? Um, We work every day to try and do so. I think the pace that we've grown this year has made that job uh, extra hard. It's really hard. I mean, I I don't think we've had any major fuck-ups, disasters, implosions or anything like that, which is a relief I've noticed sort of, you know, as, as we grow, there are processes, procedures and red tape and not much, but just, 
you know, like you bring in different people, you bring in people with different experiences, you are going to get a different work experience and that's absolutely normal and it's fine mm. and it's and it's um to be expected. How do we maintain the thing that we uh, or improve the the culture that we have worked so hard to keep? Well, at the end of the day, there's a lot of us that are core to carbon that is that are here. The original founding team, the founders, the early employees, the Georges, the the Sarahs, the Paxes, <laughs> the no, true, the Tims, the Lockies of the world. Mm. You know, like the, all these great people will and have ensured that we still have a great work experience. And while those people are are still at Carbon, I think our culture is going to be one of pretty unique. We do have a unique culture. We do we do things our own funny way. Do you think we should have a shot at articulating what, what that kind of culture is for people who I'm hoping that there are people who don't work at Carbon listening to this? So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not just your mum, right? I think mum gave mom. up a long time so ago whole, anyway. <laughs> well, the carbon opera, okay, so we, we have three company objectives uh, this year. Uh, the first one is build the greatest practice management platform in the world. The second is uh, become one of the industry's greatest employees, employers. And the third is build the carbon operating system. And the carbon operating system, part of that was to try and codify our culture. It is to try and write down what makes us great. It's not what we do, but how we do it. So, yes, I think we should have a go at writing it down and trying to, you know, instill our rituals and those kinds of things. It's dodgy terrain, isn't it? it Codifying is. a culture. Yeah, it is. It is. Hard it's, to it's, articulate, it's, hey. It's a, well, it's also arguably an, anti, an oxymoron, mm. right? Like, yes. Yeah. Codifying a culture is the antithesis of actually a culture. <laughs> yeah. Well, ours, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know if I read it somewhere, I heard someone say it or something, but I feel like the OG carbon culture, which I think is still prevalent today, is like no dickheads. Mm hmm. No dickheads. Well, no dickheads. I mean, Don't the original dickhead. dickheads are great. The original dickheads are grandfathered <laughs> in, but like no new yeah, dickheads. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no matter, no matter how big the effort was. <laughs> and it makes it's just like another element when you when you're hiring and you're you're picking the people that you'd like to be on this journey. It makes it uh, more specific, arguably harder, but I think 100 percent mm. worth it. I think if if you, I mean, we we say that facetiously, and I was the one that sort of uh, int- introduced that concept, and and I introduced it because I had worked with um, people that I didn't enjoy working with, and at the end of the day, you have to enjoy the journey. We have to be able to get up in the morning and enjoy more days than you don't, right? And if I'm working with with assholes or idiots or people that I just do not enjoy spending time with, then what the fuck, right? Like it, it's just not worthwhile. So we don't say it in a way that it's, we don't mean it in the way that it sounds, right? Like we're, we're trying to be like <laughs> exclusive and isolationary to to people with unsavory personalities, but, um, but yes, we are. <laughs> but yes, we are. <laughs> it is our choice. It is our choice yeah. to to with who we work with, and I think that's again, like I, I don't, you know, it's sort of um, <laughs> funny. The change, you know, as we've got bigger, people sort of don't love us sort of articulating it like that. So, so I try and unpack it for you a little bit and say, okay, well, you know, 
perhaps a better way of saying it these days might be like just hire people that you want to work with that you enjoy working with that challenge you that are intellectual that are that do great things that do great mm. work and and that you can rely on you can trust so articulating it like that is probably a much better um it's much more uh, diplomatic student. yes 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 <laughs> see, see how I've grown over the years <laughs> oh, so grown up <laughs> i think that's a good opportunity let's go um a, a little bit away from carbon because you know arguably that's consumed your life at Nearly a decade. Mm. But when you were growing up mm. in Melbourne, yep. the greatest city in the world, yep. in my humble opinion, uh-huh. you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? Is this it? Yeah. Yep. Asked and answered. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had an Apple IIe in 19... 19- Fuck. Uh, 82-ish. No, because... 82, no, I was only... Eight. <laughs> My wife was one. That's funny. Um, <laughs> I was eight. I reckon I was about twelve at the end of the end of high school. Uh, no, at the end of primary school, I reckon. So hmm. about yeah, about eight, 84, 85. My dad. Uh, we couldn't afford a proper IBM, and so um, we had an IBM a three a three eight six clone. You guys are too mm-hmm. young for all this stuff. No, um, I'm so not. young. I'm, I'm way too young. <laughs> this is just gibberish right now. <laughs> I had a Commodore 64. That yeah, was nice. First. That's right. That's right. Come nice. On. Next door had yeah. a had a Commodore. The boys next door had a 64 and and the green screen. They even upgraded mm. to a two color green and orange at one stage. That oh, was dang, a big deal. That's flash. On the weekend, sometimes I was allowed to take the TV upstairs so I could oh, play in colour. No, what we never yeah. we I don't think our, our GPU ever ever did colour. That was you were lucky. The floppy disk, the five and a quarter floppy disk, the three and a half inch, which um, oh, you didn't have a tape drive. Uh we ne- we had cartridge, but never a tape. Mm. Never tape. You weren't missing much. But um, more to the point, we as a Melbourne growing up in Mount Waverley, which was pretty, uh, you can't get much more sort of middle class than Mount Waverley. <laughs> You know, I, I sort of looked at San Francisco and, and I was always interested in tech. I did a an IT degree at Swinburne, which I always wanted to get into. It actually paid you to go and to go to college, which um I did a work experience at Oracle and oh, yeah. I really enjoyed that and, and that ended up being my first job and gained a huge amount of experience there. It was it was a great learning uh environment uh for somebody like me. And then Always sort of, you know, looked at San Francisco as the centre of the technology world. I read, you know, a lot about tech and and just sort of always wanted to be a part of it and be amongst it. And and it turns out that I just wasn't a very good employee. So mm. it wasn't that I wanted to be a CEO or anything. I never really, and I wish somebody had have kind of helped me with this actually, but I never really sort of sat down and worked out my, you know, like a, a very considered career path you know i never sort of said oh, okay well mm. i'm going to do this for five years and then i'm going to do that and then i'm going to be this and that I, it's something that i try you know my kids aren't quite old enough to be thinking about that stuff but it's certainly something that i wish that i had at um 15 16 17 18 19 20 something you know all right be a bit more strategic about what you're going to do mm. but anyway i'm i'm happy with where it's how it's turned out and um yeah, so I did. Yes, I always wanted to be involved in technology and and uh, a, a part of it and amongst it. Was there a defining moment where you realised that 
you weren't a very good employee. Was there one sort of <laughs> when, I, when I got sacked? <laughs> you were like, <laughs> oh, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> My first job was at a petrol station. It was the it was the graveyard shift, and I fell asleep and got sacked. <laughs> and then, yeah, just in Oracle, like you know, I sort of done four or oh, nearly four years, five years, and then. I just felt constrained. Um, I don't think there was a single moment, but but they were getting a little bit frustrated with me and sort of said, you know, what do you want to be in life? And I'm like, well, I, I just I feel sort of hemmed in here. Mm. And then e- even, you know, I, I'm sure that some of some people at Zero probably got frustrated with me at the end. It was sort of, you know, when we started there, it was sort of 90 staff. And then when we finished, it was sort of like 1,200. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, I, I remember why I can't work for big companies, you know, sort of. <laughs> Not fair on them, but uh, you know, I'm just not made, mate. I'm just not built for it. I don't. I just don't. I, I can't. Uh, if you've ever done the Enneagram, I'm an eight, and things that are out of our control is a very anxiety producing. Yeah. And so, as an employee, a lot of things are out, outside of your control. As an employer, mm. a lot of things are outside of your control. <laughs> only slightly less, just not many, just a little bit less. <laughs> So um, Andy, who works in my office, Andy Biggs, previous yep. carbon employee, yep. previous zero employee, yeah. now works for a company called Speed Curve. Yep. They have a very strict no-growth policy. Right. They've decided that they're never going to make their company so large that they all can't fit in one vehicle. That's their metric. Wow. They want to make sure they can always go on a road trip together. Good on them. It just gets me wondering, like, do we have a cap? You say you don't want to work for like a 1,200 or whatever, right? Like mm. how big is too big? And what do we do when we approach that target? Yeah, well, I did say 20,000. I think the tape will oh, say. Well, but um, okay. uh, Yeah, uh, my brain is not a brain. <laughs> do we have a cap? Or do you, ha- do you have like a dream size, I guess, maybe is a better uh, than that? Well, I, I do think the journey from 10 million to, to say 30 million or 10 million to 50 million of run rate is probably the most the fun. Right, like we we I've experienced that before, and you know you've got you've got the resources to produce what you want to be able to produce to be able to hire more or less what you want to be able to hire, and get done what you want to get done without too much bullshit getting in the way. And I think yeah, that'd be great. You know, hopefully we've maintained that more or less, uh, and and will for some years to come. Past a hundred million is probably sort of five six hundred people, maybe more you know, starts to get a company size that's a different type of organisation. And you Mm -hmm. do see a lot of turnover as companies progress through that kind of area. I don't think we're the type of company that would look at it as a people cap. I do think that our goal is to get carbon into the hands of as many accountants as we can possibly do or as we can possibly manage. And kind of everything flows from there, right, rather than sort of looking at it the other way around. Hmm. Hey, Stu, Jess. what scares you? Uh, climate change. Mm, word. <laughs> yeah. Go back to my Enneagram type, like things, the things that are positively outside of, of my control uh, or actively outside of my control can be anxiety producing and uh, can be worrying, like the earth that we're leaving for our kids and their kids and their kids, you know, like I'm, heavily involved in the ski team where I live. It's like, okay, well, how many years have we got left of snow? <laughs> like, mm. are, are we, we going to see, are we going to get a season in my lifetime where there's no snow locally? Like that, selfishly, that's scary. Um, oh, snow's really, really important. 
for lots of reasons. Well, I I, I realise it might sound facetious, but but it is. Mm-hmm. No, no, it really is. <laughs> the lake that we live in, or live in, we don't live under. <laughs> We don't live in it. We live near it. The podcast gets a little bit burbly sometimes. The um, uh, you know relies on the snow melt to uh, for many living organisms and all this. You know, like the the ecosystem of snow is really important where we live, and um, it would be tragic if that doesn't happen. So there you go. That's my answer. Yeah. Wow. Let's pick up the mood now. I'm sad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go, George. Quick. <laughs> Free will or destiny? I'm just I'm picking things out of my list now. Oh, is this like a, a first thing that comes to your mind? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you can ask clarifying questions if you want to. Oh God, I've never I've never done that one. Destiny, I think. Okay. All right. Yeah, I like I that. that. You like that? I'm a, I'm a yeah. I don't know. I, that's what romantic about me. destiny. Really? At the expense yeah. of free will, though. Not really being in control of your own life. I think the free will's built into destiny. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Okay. I, uh, yeah, that's all I've got. I've got no. I've got no clarifying on that. That's just. <laughs> I think some things are a little bit preordained by the things that motivate you, and therefore that that feels more destiny than free will. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, like for me, it comes down to: is the human brain just a state machine? You know, like given that you know, if you can know everything about your brain and you know everything about the inputs, can you reliably determine the outputs? If you can, are we in a simulation? No. Yeah. <laughs> are we though? <laughs> well, there's only one way to find out, and that's to build another simulation. That's to watch um, the Jim Carrey movie again. Um, yeah. No. Is everything preordained? No. No. But I think we have it. We have a path that is optimum. I reckon that's what I believe. And uh, you know, sometimes you have to fight <laughs> to stay on it. And uh, be brave and have tough conversations and make difficult choices. But, um, yeah, there you go. I've never thought about the alternative, so. Well, that's pretty good off the cuff for a <laughs> yes or no question. Yeah. <laughs> well done. How are we doing for time, Jess? You've got a hard out, right? I do have a hard out in about 13 minutes. 13 minutes, all right. Oh, well, yeah, 12 What now. do you want to do now? So, let's rapid fire. Okay. Oh, you want to do some rapid fire? Yeah. Let's right, yeah, go why not? It. Go for it. Should Tofu, we go? yes, no. We- Oh, oh, George. Shit. <laughs> Pretend you didn't hear that, Stu. Don't, don't come up with an answer first. <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to go around the horn? We could take it in turns to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to go first. And okay. Tofu, yes, no. No. No fucking yes. way. No fucking yeah, all, way. All it's, ru- it's rubber. I had for dinner last night. It was fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> mm. Delish. What's the most trivial thing that you're passionate about right now? Uh, a foiling. Oh, what? Foiling? Mm. Uh, behind the boat. Like hydrofoiling? Yeah, like uh, on a surfboard. Mm. No, I don't know what when that is. Up, Hang on, you... explain. You know, like the America's Cup boats, how they go up on the thing? Yes, but this this is like four foot long. Yeah. Right? So, you, you know, you know, wakeboarding behind a boat? Yeah, yeah. yeah and then there's wake surfing, which you sort of just surf a, a, a short board behind the boat. Yep. There's a surfboard with a foil attached to it, and you can sort of elevate out of the water being towed by the boat. Oof. If you're very, very talented at foiling, you can kind of pump it, right? That's like right. A, and, and self-propel. Yeah, yeah, it looks just, extremely stupid. It does look a bit silly, yes. <laughs> but I, I find the technical and skills challenge of it difficult yet achievable and therefore 
invokes a trivial passion. <laughs> Love it. Got a question, Chef? No, I didn't prepare any. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay because we have a few more. Go for it. Do you what ever is? get bored? Yes. I get. I bore easily. Yeah. Oh. No. I'm not surprised by that, Stu. Yeah, I, I do bore easily. I don't. I don't get bored. Always want a new challenge or a new, uh, a new thing to work on or something else to tick off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get bored. I feel like I've yeah. always got no, no. I've always got something on or something to distract me from. Well, I guess yeah, boredom. What about you know? uh, like in a synthetic environment? Like if you were put in a on a beach with nothing and you just had to sit there all day. Yeah, oh, I can't sit on a beach. I can't. No, I can't sit on a beach for a day. No, never. Can't vibe it. No, I'll go windsurfing, surfing, sailing, foiling. I str- I struggle foiling. I struggle to read a. I struggle to even read a book these days. I'd like to be better at that. Mm. Yeah, books are great. That's a that's a habit. You have to. Mm. Um, it's like a muscle. Yes. A reading muscle. You you have to. I used to be awesome at reading books, but I've just yeah. stopped doing it. I, yeah. I you got to get back on the horse. It's like a ten minute every day kind of thing, and then you'll. I mean, yeah, obviously, right. you need good material. Um, mm. I reckon fo- phones are the are the foil of books. Different context of foil. Uh, <laughs> you know, was, we're so distracted, we're so multitasked. Just so, just to sit down with a paper book in your hand is like the antithesis of of what the human form has grown into. Mm. Don't mind it. Oh, shall I go? Yes, go. Yeah, I yeah. will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Apart from the people on this call, who's your favourite employee? Oh, you can't ask that. <laughs> of course, I can. Oh. I don't know. There's so many to love. It's Dom, isn't it? Oh, there's so many people to love, and and that goes to what what we. There is a lot of love in our company, and I really (laughs) I I do. No, no, no. (laughs) I can't name one honestly. Andy's, Dom's, Ian's, John's. You know, the love between John and I is deep and long, but um, it's like any marriage. You really got to work at it. (laughs) That's a great soundbite. Thank you. That is a good (laughs) soundbite. I think we should wrap up. Because I really like this next question. George, do you have anything okay. to add before we ask our final question? No. I mean, I've got a ton of questions, but they're all pretty stupid. <laughs> all right. Are we ready? Which if we had, you know, <laughs> this is, if okay. we had one of those soundboards, I would press the drum roll button. Okay. But I think okay. this is, we a, can this is a classic. Later. This is a classic George Diaz. question. Yeah. You put a mark <laughs> in here, please. Diaz for <laughs> need, the drum roll. Need some drums. But this is yeah, a classic George question right here. Would you rather have a magic sword mm. or a magic shield? And why? Mm. George can provide any clarifying clarifying answers. Well, I translate that into defense or attack. Oh, today shield, I think. But Mm. uh, but my answer would probably change over my my either the day or the week or the month of the year. Off, you know, like I feel like uh, there's so much violence in the world. That less swords is probably better. So there you go, magic. I shield. think it says more about you than about the world, though. <laughs> that the only thing you can think of using a sword for is attacking. Well, there people. you go. Maybe, maybe, maybe. What else uh, would you use a sword for? The magic sword, George. The magic, the magic sword. What else would you use know. it for? I mean, other than attack. If it's like infinitely sharp, like splitting atoms or something. Atoms. Really? Yeah, I was. I, was, I went. Cheese? I went straight to cutting people's cutting heads cheese? off. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that is more about me than. <laughs> than than, you, than than anticipated, but uh, so George, does that mean you're a shield or are you a sword? Uh, I wouldn't trust myself with the sword, to be honest. I'm pretty oh, sure because I'm... you're clumsy, right? Yeah, yeah, and stupid. Yeah. Oh, 
That's exciting. What, what the hell is that thing? Yeah. Oh. Did I press a button? Did no, I don't know. For listeners at home, the, the podcasting software just took a photo of us yeah. <laughs> without warning. <Yeah. laughs> well, we did get the warning, but we weren't pre-warned about yeah, the warning. That, that was how yeah, much we warning do we need? Um, That's so funny. You. Do you have an answer for that question, Jess? Um, yeah. You'd be a I've, sword girl, surely. I've, no, I'm, I'd be a shield girl okay. because I figure my <laughs> shield, <laughs> my shield would have sharp edges. So although, you know, those sharp edges wouldn't be, you it know, be quite magic, magic swordy. Magic sword level. No, but they yeah. would, I feel, you know, cut my cheese and do what I needed it to do. Very, very concerned with cutting cheese. I have to yeah, I just can't stop thinking about cheese. Um, <laughs> there was a fam- there was a famous tweet. You might have to edit this out. There was, you know, there was a famous tweet that uh, went very viral that said the thing that most surprised me was the price of cheese and everybody does cocaine. <laughs> I just wasn't expecting that to go that way. Wait, what? <laughs> the, the delivery was so good. That's great. The price of cheese is a little bit out of control, though. I mean, you want to talk about. Things that are wrong with the world. I mean, you can pay $20 for a kilo of cheese here. That's what surprised this person the most about adulthood. It was, it's very funny. And it's still going around today. You can you Google that and you'll uh, – careful mm. what you Google on your work computer, but uh, uh, you, <laughs> really? you will. Well, are we being watched? Is there <laughs> well, not, not, that, not that anybody in our organisation could be absolutely be bothered what you look at, but, uh, but you know, we, we don't, <laughs> we don't want to excuses to uh, – to have to do so, right? <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com/resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you on the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast. <laughs>